Hello Life Changes Church, we are so excited that you clicked on this video. We are in a series called What's It Like? As we look at the parables that Jesus told as he unpacked the kingdom of God for us. So why don't you get ready, sit back, grab a notebook, grab a pen as we get encouraged by this word. Great to be together. We're going to share a few stories and Drive into a parable. That's what's what we're doing in this series. Um, I'm from Pretoria. Don't know if anybody else is here from Pretoria. Any any hands? There we go. Nice. I knew it. I knew it. I could see in the eyes. Um, but I, I went to the, the University of Pretoria. Ticks, ticks off nooks, that's what they would say. Um, but as, a, as all students do, I opened up a, a student saver account. It's basically the, ways, the way for the banks to lock you in, um, get you in on no fees until you start earning. Um, but I opened this bank account, didn't have it for very long, and I got an SMS uh, uh, ping on my phone. I looked at it, and it said that somebody had deposited a large amount of money into my bank account. True story, this. I f- first thought it was some scam. My uncle's got a big inheritance waiting for me, of course. Not going to follow up on that, but then I logged in on my internet banking to see that it was it was close to 300,000 rand was in my bank account. I mean, that's a lot of money at any stage of the game. When you're 19, that's a lot of money. That is, when you're 19 and a student, that's retirement plans. That's everything's going through my head, um, and I, I don't know what to do. I, I just said, just open this bank account. I left it for a few weeks, I left it for a month, and nobody phoned, nobody, nobody got hold of me, nobody wanted to know where their money was, nobody said anything. So I phoned the bank eventually, and I said, look, this deposit was made from bank account, who was it from, can I, is there, what can I do here, can I send it back, what's, what's going on? They said it's from ESCOM, true, a true story, I kid you not, this deposit in my bank account is from ESCOM, and that was it, that's all they could give me, it was my, the only details. So, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe it was my, my fair share of state capture. Yeah, maybe yeah, the, the load shedding is my fault, could be, could be. Um, but so I, I left it, left for a few months. Uh, somebody was going to contact me, right? Somebody was going to phone me for about 300, about 300 grand. That's uh, a lot of money. And nobody did. Nobody ever did. And I kept it, and I kept it, and I kept it. And I tried to phone, I tried to phone the bank. They couldn't give me any details, tried to phone again. But eventually, something in me started to change. It's weird. I, I had this amount of money in my bank account that wasn't mine, that was there. And I suddenly found I started to change with that money in my bank account. I felt like in other parts of my finances, there was a bit of a hole or there was a gap. I felt I got a bit, started getting a bit anxious that I was going to be caught out or that there was going to be an investigation. I started losing a bit of sleep. And in a weird way, I started getting a bit sick. In, in not, not physically sick, just a bit sick from this amount of money that was in my bank account that didn't belong to me. Um, it was literally about 12 months past of phoning, trying to find out. Eventually, I got the banking details of ESCOM, the mothership, and I deposited back in there with a payment reference, thanks for nothing, um, <laughs> and I sent the money back to them. I kept, I kept my proof of payment in case anybody ever questioned me. I never heard a thing. I never heard a thing. But in that moment, there was freedom for me. I remember it so clearly. There was a scripture the Lord said to me, and I just I, I locked into that, and I just, paid, I just paid the money back. I found the bank deals wherever I could, and I just paid the money back. And, I, and in that, there was freedom. But I wonder for in our lives, if there are things that we hold onto that make us sick. So I wonder, just thinking in your own life too, what are you holding onto that's making you sick? Not, not physically sick, 
you're holding on to things like that, you've got to let them go, unless they're your kids and it's a bit more difficult. But, but what, what are you holding on to that's making you sick? And more importantly, how do we let those things go? How do we let those things go? So we're going we're gonna to dive into that tonight. We're working our way through the parables, basically Matthew 13. So I would encourage you to, to get in there. And Jesus gets asked this question of why parables? Why are we talking about, why do you speak in parables, these simple stories with profound meaning? And he says it's to reveal the kingdom of Christ and the person of Jesus. Basically, it's to, basically to reveal himself through these parables and it's to reveal the mystery of God. But then he so interestingly, he quotes this phrase from Isaiah, it'll be on the screen behind me. He says, though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand, ever hearing but never understanding, you will be ever seeing but never perceiving, for these people's hearts have become calloused, they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. And just he talks in these simple stories, and yet there are people that don't understand, they don't know what's going on, and that is because of their hard hearts, basically. They've had hearts of stone, hearts of rock, and they cannot understand what Jesus is teaching and saying because of their hard heart. So I want to encourage us this morning, let's come this evening, let's come with soft hearts, let's come with open hearts to what God's doing, to what God is teaching us, showing us, and forming in us in this time. Um, the parable we're going to deal with um, tonight is one that was told in quite an intimate setting, actually. Jesus is Jesus is doing his thing, there's, there's miracles happening, he's preaching to thousands, there's people getting healed, and then just before he gives this parable, he, he talks about withdrawing to a house with the 12. So he basically, he, he brings the 12 in, and, he, and they say that in that Jesus explained the meaning of those things. And I just, I almost wish that we could make, almost make, get a big circle here, and share Almost, it's like Jesus tells these stories, it's, it's to share it as one would to each other. Not, it's not a preach, it's not a teaching, it's a simple story of one friend to another. And Jesus tells a story about this guy named Jerome, quite an amazing story. He, he's a guy like many of us are, or a girl, just doing their thing. He's working, he's going about his daily business, he, he walks to work every day. He knows the route well. He's, he's trotted those steps. He knows exactly how long it takes him to get to work. He knows which gates get left open, which dogs run out after him. He knows that so well. And there's this old, um, old overgrown property this, where a house hasn't been developed. And it's just all the grass is growing. There's blackjacks for days. And this rickety fence, this a little rusty sign saying for sale. It's been there for years. But I mean, in that, in that property, there's just, you can just imagine it's, it's a mess. And there's property, property um, um, they probably owe a whole bunch of money to municipality. There's a whole bunch of stuff in there that nobody wants that property. Um, but one day he manages to get away a little bit earlier, a few minutes earlier. And he decides, I'm just going to take a little, a little stroll around this property, see what's, see what's going on there. He gets in there, takes a bit of a walk around, and he basically just, just cruises around, see what's happening. All of a sudden he feels like there's something a bit firm under his foot. And it just he kind of moves the moves the soil away, moves the grass away, and it's this it's a steel box that he it's a bit weird. I mean, why would that be in this old piece of land? He opens that up and he first he finds a few a few rons, as they say in Pretoria, a few rands. Um, he finds those he finds those a few, and then he suddenly sees there's there's dollars in there too. Opens that up and it's tens of thousands of dollars, like you see in the movies. These 
dollars and dollars and dollars. Funny signs, there's jewelry, there's share certificates, there's all this stuff. There's even a few Bitcoin in there. And he just, he suddenly realizes there is, there is a treasure, there is wealth in this field. He, he suddenly sees that this is one of 20 of these boxes in this field. And just his heart suddenly leaps. He realizes there's more going on here than what, what he thinks on this piece of land. He covers everything up, walks back sheepishly just not to create a stir, and he bolts. He heads not to work. He goes straight back home. He says, my love, you won't believe what happened. I've found this field. I found this treasure. I found everything we've ever wanted. And his wife tries to calm him down. He says, I can't be calm. I can't. We have to sell everything. We have to sell everything we have to get this field. We have to buy this field. We have to sell our clothes, sell our engagement rings, sell our TV, sell our kids. How much can we get for them? The wife says, okay, I think that's a bit of a stretch. But he basically, he tells his wife, everything we have, everything we have has to go. And they just sell their car, they sell their house, they sell everything, everything they have. They've got nothing left, nothing left. He He borrows his brother's clothes to go and make the transaction with all his cash in his hand, and he buys that field. And he buys it. And in that field are treasures. He opens that up and his life is different. He's hit the lotto. He's, he's, his whole world looks different to what it was before. He went with joy and sold all that he had for the prize of what was in that field. Matthew 13, verse 44. It will be on the, on the screen behind me. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. That's what it's like. And we're going to unpack that a bit tonight in terms of what does it mean? What does the treasure, what does that mean? What does it mean to sell all we have for the treasure? What does it look like in our lives? What does it look like practically for us? Um, And what is that treasure? It says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden. Jesus was using quite familiar language in those days. You would be able to, um, just there were a lot of war going on, a lot of uncertainty, so people would bury their, their possessions in the ground. It was a bit like you can imagine in Ukraine now or in Durban with the looting. You just, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so whatever I've got, I'm just going to put it on the ground and then we'll see what happens. Um, those guys on the beach with the, the beepers, I mean, they would have a field day. You know, they actually, actually would find things, not, not just walk around all day. Um, but there's this concept of a treasure hidden in a field, and it's the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says it's the kingdom of heaven, which is synonymous, they would talk with the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Christ. And that word hidden is, I mean, the root word is to conceal or to, or to hide away. Another, another take on that is that it's, it's the mystery. It's the mystery of the kingdom of Jesus, kingdom being his, his rule and reign. So that treasure is the mystery of Jesus' rule and reign. And just, it's an incredibly profound thing because it is a mystery. And as the parables are, are what seem to be apparent, but yet there's a deeper meaning, so too it often is with Jesus and how he works and how he manifests himself is that it's not as it seems. I was watching um, a testimony of a guy named Shane Taylor. Um, it was through Alpha, the Alpha course they did, did work in prisons. But it was, it was a... He lived a horrendous life, like we all 
we've all got our benchmark of what's acceptable and unacceptable. He was right at the bottom. Basically, a youngster was, was regarded as one of the most notorious criminals in the UK in maximum security prison. He was in the maximum security of the maximum security. Um, and just, I mean, if you want to Google him tonight, just, it's an amazing testimony. But just in that inner moment, he attends an alpha course, and his life turns around 180 degrees. And without any explanation, without any program, without any seven steps to a successful prison person, whatever, without any of that, he encounters Jesus and his life looks completely different. There's a mystery in the way that Jesus works. It's not, it's not linear. It's not incremental. It's not progressive. It is, it is shocking the way that Jesus works. And in that treasure, there's something precious. And I've seen it in my own life too, is our as I have discovered Jesus in a very real way, as the one who forgives, as the one who guides, as the one who's our friend and our savior. And he comes and he does things in ways that we don't expect. That treasure, that treasure is Jesus. The treasure that the man is looking for and that he finds is Jesus. It's Jesus and it's his rule and reign in our life. And the reality too is that it's available to all of us. It is available to all of us. As the man was going through the motions, as he was going up and down and sort of just doing his thing, going to work, just there was something routine about what he was doing. It was very ordinary. He was living an ordinary life, which is a lot like how my life feels 99% of the time, pretty ordinary. And yet in that ordinariness, he discovers Jesus. He finds Jesus in the field, and what a difference that makes. It changes it changes everything. And as we go on to the next, so the next half of that parable, it says, when a man found, when he found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. In his joy, in his joy. It wasn't, didn't even feel like a sacrifice to him. It just made sense. You know, he found this treasure, and it makes sense to go and sell all you have to get the treasure. And there's something so fundamental in that for me that what we give and what we have to let go and what we have to say goodbye to it is done out of joy because we've seen Jesus it's not done begrudgingly it's not feeling like oh again I need to ah oh, need to do this need to do that need to give this away need to stop that but it's as we have experienced Jesus out of joy we do what we are called to do it's selling it all for the one it's uh, if any of you know about investments, everything's, all the talk is to diversify. You diversify your risk, and this is exactly the opposite. It's sell it all. Sell, sell your many share portfolios or your whatever it is and own one. Own the one. And in owning the one, we find it all, actually. It's the, the craziness of it. Um, Philippians 3 verse 8, um, Paul's writing, he says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing, surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, whose forsake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage. Some translations use stronger word than garbage, but we'll use garbage for this one. Consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. That's all, everything is lost for the over, overwhelming joy and power of knowing Christ. Everything else starts to feel dim, starts to fade away when we've seen Jesus. And that's just encouragement from my own story too, in terms of where I've felt like I've been 
caught up things and enticed in things. I, um, I got it, it was years ago, actually, similar, t- similar time to that Escom money story. But I started gambling online. I started playing online poker for, I mean, that's what students do, right? But I mean, just started, it, started, it started enticing me. It started, I started spending more time there. I started spending more money there. And it's just, it ran away with me, actually. And I just remember so clearly the day that Jesus spoke to me about this thing. If you let that simmer, if you let it, if you let it grow, it's going to take it. You're going to take your life away. You're going to lose it. And that encounter with Jesus to say, "Look at me. Don't look at this." And that was the that was my that was my turning point to me to actually let this thing go because of what Jesus said. The same thing with that Escom money. I would lie to you if I said it wasn't a real struggle in that moment. But the Lord spoke to me, gave me a scripture, I can quote it to you now, but remember it so clearly, the Lord spoke to me, and it made it, I could do it in a second, to say, this is not for me, I need to walk away. And I mean, state capture, maybe I'd be up there on the, on the stand, you never know, but, um, but so glad to be able to make that decision in that moment, to be able to walk, walk away. And I just want to almost implore us and challenge us tonight, that this man going into the field to go and find the treasure, he has... He has a choice in that moment. He does. He does. He has a choice when he finds his treasure. What, what does he do? Does he, does he leave it there? Does he carry on? Does he just go to work and think, sure, that's weird. Um, let me go just keep on carrying on with my life. Or does he go back and sell all that he has to follow Jesus? And if we look in Scripture, we see, we see in that parable and other stories Two, where people went and sold all they had to follow Jesus. Jesus calls his disciples. He calls them and says, come, follow me. They drop their nets, drop everything they have. They drop what they've got, and they go and they follow Jesus. They just leave it. They just leave it. They leave their family. They leave everything they know. They leave their trade. They leave their studies. They leave their degrees. See these guys sitting in front here? They leave everything they have, and they follow Jesus. And how, how powerful is that? Because that's what it is. The woman at the well, Jesus reveals himself to her as the Messiah. She, she runs with abandonment into her town, shouting his name, screaming his name. doesn't matter about the water. She leaves the water behind. She's found Jesus, and she shares his name. And then we've got the rich young ruler, hey? The cool guy, the guy with all the money, all the power, all the stature, everything. He was young as well. And Jesus says to him, gives him the instruction of this parable. Gives him the instruction of this parable. It says, sell all you have. Sell it. Sell it like the men in the field. Sell it. Sell all of it. Sell it. And follow me. And he left sad. Couldn't do it. And he was just a grumpy, rich guy. We, know, we all know some of them. But that's the reality. We, we don't even know his name. We don't even know his name in Scripture. Because he had, there were things in him that he was holding on to that were making him sick. That were making taking away his attention from Jesus, taking away what Jesus' rule and reign, the mystery of Jesus' rule and reign in his life. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And that's where we just need to, we need to take a breath tonight and just sit on that. Dave touched on it as we kicked off in terms of those walls, those barriers, those, those rooms, those areas in our life that we just, we just don't want to go there. We, we want to hold on to it more than we want Jesus. And I really think for those that have come tonight, you hear it's the right thing, you in this room, to break down those walls, to say, Jesus, I see you, and, and nothing, nothing else matters. Matthew 6, verse 20, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. 
I want to just touch on that for a second, that we can only, we can only have one treasure. We can only have one treasure. Just um, the analogy I'm going to use, and I apologize in advance, but it's fresh in my mind, and it's, it's going to work. Um, I, I had, I've had some toothache the last, the last week, um, and it's just, it hasn't been sitting right, and it hasn't felt good. And then I, I had lunch today um, with my kids, and I bit, and, and my tooth broke um, while I was having lunch. And it's damn sore. It really is sore. And it's uncomfortable, and Cassia says she's got a good dentist for me, so we're going to sort that out. Um, but it's just, there's a, there's a fraught tooth in my mouth. True story, right now as we speak. My, I asked my wife to look in there with, with her with her um, sulfur torch, she said it looks nasty in there, so I'll take, take a word for it. Um, but that's the issue with putting things above Jesus. We take, we take a, a sliver of, of society, of our lives, of we take money, we take a person, we take a relationship, we take an idea, we take something, we take anything, fill in the blanks what that thing is, and we fixate on it, we elevate that above Jesus. We put everything, all our energy into getting it. All our, our, everything we do is to get this one thing, to get that thing, to get this, call it an idol, call it whatever you want. We fixate on it. And in doing that, we spoil the whole. We mess, we mess ourselves up. This one tooth, this little bugger in my mouth, it, it's, it's fraught and it's, and it's messed up my whole mouth. I, I can't eat. I can't, I'm struggling to do a whole bunch of stuff, but I mean, that's the reality is when we take, when we take that one thing that's making us sick and we elevate it above Jesus, it destroys us all. And on the other end, if we take that one thing, Jesus, and we fixate our eyes on him, if we give everything we have to him, if we will stop at nothing to be with him, if we do everything we can to exalt his name in our lives, if we put that one thing above it all, everything else becomes ordered. The whole becomes fixed. Dallas Willard, he says, the joy of finding Jesus is the joy of finding ourselves. We find ourselves by ordering our life under Jesus. We lose ourselves. We mess, we mess ourselves up by putting one thing above Jesus, whatever that is. And that's just what Dave touched on is we can have 99 things under Christ, but if we are holding one above, our life is going to fall apart. We're going to miss it. We're going to miss what Jesus is doing. We're going to miss the power. We're going to miss the plan for our lives. We're going to be like the rich young ruler who left sad because we can't give that thing up to follow Jesus. And just we, and we go back to that question that we touched on earlier. Is what are you holding on to that's making you sick? What are you holding on to that you can't let go of? You're holding on to whatever that is, and it will be a million things for different, million different people, but there are things that we hold on to that are, don't allow us to follow Jesus. And what the world will tell you, if you're reading wherever you decide to get your info from, um, it's probably tailored to what you've searched in the last while, but anyway, is that it's going to be six steps to freedom. It's going to be a 40-day fast. It's going to be meeting with your support friend. It's going to be whatever it is. There's there are a million self-help books out there or ways to fix yourself, but you're, not, you're, never gonna, you're just going to fix that and create something else or create another issue or create another dependency. But if we go here, if we focus on him, that thing sorts itself out. And that's, 
that's the reality, is that we look to Jesus and we find him and the rest sorts itself out. And, and the truth of the matter, as I've seen in my life, and the silly example wasn't so silly at the time and it's still not so silly I could really do with 300 grand, but it actually would be more like 2 million rand. I did the sum while I was preparing. That 300 grand would have been close to 2 million bucks now. Anyway, anyway, I let it go. Um, <laughs> but, the, but, the, but the reality is, is that it requires, it requires something of us. It requires a putting to death of something. And it's, it's hard, man. It's hard. The, the journey of the cross and the journey of, of our faith is one of life and it's one of death. It's the truth. It's life with Jesus. It's eternal life. It's all those things. And yet, it's also the death. It's death to ourselves. It's death to the things that draw on us. Jesus died on Friday and he rose on Sunday. And the Christianity, it's, it's not just about life and it's not just about happiness and running, running for the stars. It's also about practically and in a very real way putting, putting things to death. So I wonder, I'm going to ask uh, Mish to come up and we could we stand? I think let's take a moment to, to pray and to respond because I think there's an important, an important response for us here. As I was sharing tonight, um, there's probably some things that would, have, that would have crept up or that you would have, um, you would have been thinking to say, I've, I feel like I'm getting a. I feel like I'm getting a grasp on this Christianity thing, or I feel like I'm. I feel like there's something in there for me, but I just I can't let these things go, or I can't step over this or aside to that or whatever it is. And maybe you're here tonight, and you just found your way into this church by some chance, and you have never heard the Jesus story. Tonight is your night. Tonight is your night to give your life to Him and to say, Jesus, 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 above it all. And could we just open our hands or just open our, open our minds, open our hearts, open our ears, open our eyes. Jesus, we come to you tonight first and foremost with soft hearts, humble hearts, hearts that are in need of forgiveness, that have been corrupted. But we come to you, Jesus, the perfect one, the author and the perfecter of our faith, of our faith. With joy, you went ahead, you went ahead of us, and you died on the cross. And Jesus, we come before you tonight, knowing that only you, only you can order us. Only you can set us straight. Only you can fix us. Only you can make us whole. And when we see you, like we have seen you tonight, like Kasha said, spend time in your presence, then everything else grows dim. All the other lures, all the other enticing things grow dim because we have seen you and you order us and we are fixed in you. What an amazing word. We hope you enjoyed that sermon. If you would like to find out more about Life Changes Church, why don't you go into our website or you can follow us on our social media. Have an amazing, amazing week.